Grace and peace this evening, brothers and sisters in Christ. Great to be here together. You know, while I was sitting to this after, sitting here during the worship time, the song came into my head, My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. I, it just came to my head, and I just wanted to share that with you. I understood uh, this morning that the last five or seven minutes of my sermon, some of you may not have been able to hear with the battery going out. And uh, some of you actually came up and told me the last five minutes of the sermon was the best part of it this morning. So I want to thank you for that (laughs) as well. But anyway, I want us to think about tonight and as we think about different things in our lives, we talked this morning about how Jesus wants to meet us where we are and he's going to and he wants to. He wants to reveal himself to us and he wants to reveal himself to us in a way that we understand who he is, that we have life in his son Jesus and go let other people know about this great love that we received in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This evening, thinking about different people, I like to look at the Old Testament a lot, different personalities, different characters of the Bible, or, you know, it says character study here, because I'm talking about the character of the person, what they look like, what they think about. In fact, when I put those big words up there, Ezra, earlier, I was like, some people might be thinking he's got a really bad spelling problem, okay? But easy R-A, good Ezra. It's who we're going to be looking at tonight. I want us to see what we can learn from him, what we can learn from the Old Testament, what we can learn about his character, about his integrity, and what we can apply to our lives to understand how we can be more like Christ. And in fact, one of the great, beautiful phrases that's talked about as Ezra, over and over again as you read into it, it says, the gracious hand of the Lord was with him. And I don't know about you, That's about one of the most beautiful things I could ever hear. To say, the gracious hand of the Lord was with me. Not was with me, is with me. Amen. In our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He is with us in every situation, in every circumstance. He is there with us. That's why Paul would say in Philippians, Cast all your anxieties on him and by, by prayer and petition. Give all those things to him. First Peter 5 is cast all your anxiety upon him. Philippians says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God that passes understanding will be with you. May the gracious hand of the Lord be with you. And how was the gracious hand of the Lord with Ezra? Well, when we start thinking about the story of Israel and we understand the things that happened to them, they were sinning, they were sinning greatly, and then God would use the the nation of Babylon to come in to overtake them around 586 B.C. And as they destroyed the temple at that time, they take many people captive in that area. And then God also gives them some hope in the future through Daniel, through Isaiah, saying in 70 years it will rebuild. But after that time, as they're taken to exile, God will work on the hearts of other kings that will come after Nebuchadnezzar. And we'll get to Cyrus. And as Cyrus is there, God begins to work on his heart. And Cyrus says, hey, y'all can go back. And not only can you go back to start constructing your temple, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you what you need. In fact, all of those things that Babylon took from the temple, I'm going to give back to you as well. So the gracious hand of the Lord was working, working on the heart of Cyrus. And then after they did that and was working on the temple, they had some interference of some people wanting to help them. And they said, no, because we want to make sure it's from the people of God. 
And others tried to detract them and they weren't able to try, tried to stop them, but they worked through it. Then they had the Passover meal and it was a great time. And then in in Ezra chapter six and seven, we get to the part where it says after these things, a little bit later on, we see Ezra enter into the book of Ezra. And I want us to look what it says about Ezra as we start to look tonight and see what it says here about him in Ezra chapter seven, verse 10. It says this about him. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. And in fact, if we want to do it really, yeah, we'll, 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 is that 7 verse 10? Is the verse that we're going to be looking at here in a minute. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. And as we go on before that, we understand who he was and we're going to look at this together. Let's start in chapter 7 verse Three, because I can't pronounce all those names of all the sons there, okay? But if you go, uh, Ezra chapter 7, verse 3, the son of Amariah, son of Azariah, son of Mariah, the son of Zariah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, the son of Abishua, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra came up from Babylon. He was a teacher well-versed in the law of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given him. The king had granted him everything he asked for the hand of the Lord. For the hand of the Lord, his God was on him. And look at that verse there. For the hand of the Lord was upon him. The grace of the Lord was upon him. And we're going to start seeing why was the grace of the Lord upon him? And the very first thing that I want us to understand, as we can already understand, that Ezra was a teacher of the law. But it says in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, which we just said, Ezra had devoted himself to the study of the law of God. Ezra devoted himself to the study of God's word. When we devote ourselves to the study of God's word, when we start to get to understand and know this God more deeply, we begin to understand what he has done for us, the relationship that he demands, the relationship, the love that he shows in his son Jesus. And as we look through this and we understand from the word God's word, we see the Hebrew writer says, the, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. But not only that, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, when Paul is wanting to encourage Timothy and wanting to tell him to continue on in the faith, he says, how from infancy you have known the scriptures from which that leads you to salvation. You learned it first from your mother and your grandmother, and now it's come unto you for the word of God is, as it says, inspired, God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness for the man of God to be apt for every good work that God has for us to do. But it starts with a desire and a devotion to want to know and study who this God is from the Word of God. The Bible that we have, God's Word with us, You know what Paul would even tell Timothy later on? Well, in 1 Timothy, he would say this in chapter 4, verse 13. Do not neglect the reading of Scripture in public. Why is that? Because the power of God and God's Word has power. You know what one of the greatest things is? When sometimes you go into somebody's office, a doctor's office... And you go to somewhere and you can see on their wall somewhere that has some kind of scripture on there talking about God. And it says Ephesians, if it says Joshua, talking as as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And as you go to somewhere where it's serving, it says, I'm ready to wash the disciples' feet, talking about, and you read those verses, and you see people with verses on their shirts, and you read those verses, what is happening when that is going on is we are giving the opportunity to understand about God and having that God's word to even meditate on in all of those moments. And I love to see it when the God's word is somewhere in some way on a wall or anything to be read, to be looked at, so that I can think of that this is a place where they want to honor God. This is a place where they want to honor God's word. And I pray that as we look at God's word and we're devoted to the study of his God's word, we get to that deeper level where we can continue to grow in our relationship with him. It's not a new understanding. We don't like as Tim was talking about Gnosticism, not an understanding that nobody else can understand, but an understanding even more deeply of how much God loves me, of understanding how much more. What God has done has given me the grace to do much more than I could ever ask or imagine. Or think of the things that can happen because of God's great light. In fact, when God would talk to the church in Berea, he says they were of more noble character because they examined the scriptures. To see what Paul was saying, if it was right or correct with the scriptures as well. The idea of devoting ourselves to the scriptures. The idea of delving into God's word. Using time God was God's word. And you know what? When you get to know God's word... It can move you. It can change you. Because as we said already, it's living and active. And we also pick up on Ezra a little bit in Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, when we're looking at Ezra, thinking about who he is, in Nehemiah chapter 8, after the dedication of the temple, time later Nehemiah goes back to build the, rebuild the wall. They're going to rebuild the wall in 52 days. And as Wally gets ready to go there, and when they get ready to rededicate that wall as well, It says in Nehemiah chapter 8, in these verses here, starting in verse 2. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law, God's word, before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate. From daybreak to noon. There's a good public reading of scripture. Maybe we'll go from night to, to midnight tonight. No, okay, I won't do that to you. But in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Wow. If it's hard for me to read, I can get me a Bible app today and it can even read God's word to me. And I can still listen to it attentively. But even more so when I'm able to read and listen. It's even more attentive. Read, listen, and see something along a video that has along goes with those verses also. Helps even more so to even think about those verses. But look what it says happens here in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 4 in reference to God's word as they listened, as they stood listening to it. Ezra the teacher of the law, chapter 8 verse 4, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on the right stood Mattiah, Shemaniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his left were Padiah, Michel, Michael, Yisham, okay, and all the other names there. Okay, I don't want to get tongue twisted too much. But look at what it says in verse 5. Ezra opened the book. The book. He opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, 
Amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Because when they were listening to the word of God, they were being convicted of what God's will is. God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And it says that they bowed down to the face. And as they're in this motion and this things, and they're even getting to a time of being very sad, Nehemiah says, hold on. Today's not to be a day of sadness. It's supposed to be a day of rejoicing. And so Ezra and the other teachers begin to teach the law to the people. But do you see what it is? Two things happen when we read God's word. It convicts us of our own sin. It convicts us of the things that we've done. But in that conviction of sin and guilt, it also gives us the solution and the blessing and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So we may cry for a night, but we get to be joyful for an eternity. And Nehemiah wants them to remember that as well. But when we go to God's word, let's go to God's word and say, God, if you're going to convict me, may I have the tears to allow you to convict me. And with those tears, may they be wiped, Lord, so that I may have joy when I understand how to overcome those things. Not through my power, not through what I think's best, but through what your word says. And how I can obey you even more so, Lord. But you know what? There's something that's very important. As it says it here, let's all be seekers of God's word. But there's also something very important about Ezra here. We understand that Ezra was a man learned. A man who taught the other people. About God's word. But there's something very important that it also says in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. It didn't say that Ezra had devoted himself to the study of the law of the Lord only. But it says he devoted himself to the study and the observance of the law. And to teaching its decrees and its laws. What's it saying? Ezra devoted himself to the observance. He says, as it says in God's word, as we start to understand, and as James chapter 2 says, do not merely listen to the word, do it. Do what it says. Don't look into the mirror and forget what you've looked at. Look in the mirror and say, oh, this is what I've got to change. This is what looks good. Do what it says. The hand of the Lord was on Ezra. The grace of the Lord was on Ezra because one, he seeked God. He looked for his word to know God's word. But he said, God, I want to know your word and I want to apply your word to my life. I want it to make a difference in the life of my life and the life of others. As it says, as Tim said this a couple of weeks ago in his preaching about the light, talking about God is light, God is love. Thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. The idea of here it is, may I walk in it, the may I seek it. May I walk in the way that you want me to walk, Lord. In Titus chapter 2. When Paul is talking to Titus and he says, Titus, you're doing a great job teaching the older men to teach younger men, teaching the older women to teach younger women. But he says also, Titus, in your own life, encourage them with your own example, being sincere in the things that you teach and showing with your example that you're not going to make a mockery of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He would even say to the slaves in Titus chapter two, live your lives in such a way That the grace of God is evident even to those masters of yours. For the grace of God has appeared to all men. And we all, all men, have the opportunity to have the hand of the Lord upon them. The grace of the Lord upon them. Timothy exemplified this. 
In Philippians chapter 2, when he's writing to the church there, Paul says, I'm going to give you some examples of people who have the attitude of Christ. He talks about, he talks about Christ himself. He talks about Epaphroditus, who was one of them. And he talks about Timothy and he says, I know how, I don't have anyone like him who has a sincere faith and a sincere love for you. For many look after their own interests and not the interests of Christ. But Timothy is genuine. Because Timothy, not only is his words and his teaching, but his life and his doing are completing the exact same thing in their lives. And so as we see this going on with each other and this growing in them, it says, let us be doers and seekers of the word of God. And not only seekers, but doers as well. Doing the things that God wants us to do. Seeking out how we can apply it to our life. I was watching uh, uh, Phil Robertson on TV the other day. You know, they had them like it was a YouTube video talking about the white chair or something like that. Anyway, they were giving a testimony and talking about different things. And he was saying, when I had to start applying God's word to my life, and he talked about one instance. He said after he became a Christian, he was out on the, you know, out on the lake somewhere. And somebody was fishing in his area. That's his area to fish. And he knows how he used to be if somebody was in his area and what he would do, what he would say, and he would make sure that it would be the it. But he says, now, when I got to them, I had to remember God's word and says, love your enemies. Pray for those who want to do wrong to you. Pray for your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself or as, as the golden rule. Treat as you would like to be treated. He goes up to the men where they are in the lake and they're fishing in that area. And they're already scared to death too. Because they know what's going to happen. And then he says, tell you what. Y'all can keep that fish that you got in this area. But don't mess with the other areas. I'm going to forgive you and I I don't want to do anything. Okay. You can read it. You can look on the YouTube to get it just right. Because I'm going from my head and sometimes that's not good. But if you read, if you look there, you'll see it just right. And then after that moment, God blessed him even with a greater catch in other areas. But those men went away changed because of his actions. We want people to go away changed because when those times in our lives come, that people are going to expect us to act like the world And do the way the things the world does, yelling, screaming, and all those things. And we say, I forgive you. Or, let's talk about this. It's going to be different. And they're going to say, why did you act different? How did you get to do that? How could somebody do you that way and forgive them? It's only by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But it's when we get to the actions of here, seeking and doing. Okay, Lord, you say, forgive one another. Help me to forgive. You, Lord, you say, encourage one another. Help me to encourage one another. Lord God, it says what I shouldn't do. Help me not to do those things that are not in your will. Give me strength from your word. Give me strength from my brothers and sisters who are striving, just as me, to seek and do your will in their lives. Let us be seekers and doers, okay? Joe, you can go ahead and put that up there as it's up there. But I want us to understand one other very important characteristic. About Ezra. Because we can understand that Ezra was somebody who seeked, who studied God's word to know his will. 
Not only that, but Ezra was one who was practicing God's will in his life. And then in chapter 7, verse 25, starting here, it says this. As Artaxerxes is writing this letter, giving it to Ezra as he's going to help the people of God. And you, Ezra, in accordance with the wisdom of your God, which you possess, appoint magistrates and judges to administer justice to all the people of the trans-Euphrates and all who know the laws of your God. And you are to teach any who do not know them. Whoever doesn't obey the Lord your God and the law of the king must surely be punished by death, banishment, confiscation, or property or imprisonment. He's saying this is to the point that I'm going to give you the authority. The king is. Okay, wow. This king is giving him great authority. And what could have Ezra said? Man, that king likes me. You see how good I am? He could have said, nobody could have done what I did right now. Hey, look, the king, he's got it good. He's given me the authority. He's given me all the money I need, all the possessions I need for all this. Could have very well said, it's all about me. It's all about what I did. But there's something very important about Ezra that's very important for us. To remember, we can't do anything without our God and Savior. We can't do anything without God. Ezra's recognition of the Lord in his life is what made the difference. Chapter 7, verse 27. After the king had said all of these things in that letter to Ezra and the things that he could do, Ezra says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put into the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way. Ezra understood that this was not because of who he was, but because of the God he served. Just as Nehemiah, as he's going back and he's going to talk to the king before he talks to the king, he remembers, it's not about me, it's about you, God. And it says, he prays to the king, and the king gives him everything that he needs as well. Because Nehemiah understood that concept as well. But Ezra at this point says, you know what? Praise be to the Lord. How many times do we forget to praise God for the good things that he has done in our life? Sometimes we stick on the negative things and we forget to think of the good things and the better things that God has done for us. He has given us a family in Christ Jesus our Lord. He has given us life eternal. He has given his one and only son. Praise be to God for that. And if God wants to bless somebody and work on somebody's heart, praise God that he can do that as well. Praise God. Because Ezra said... He was this king as well as him wanted to bring praise to the house of our Lord. Pray that we want to praise God because we want to give praise to him in all that we do. And who has extended his, as he says here, and God who has extended his good favor to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials. Ezra even understood that it was the Lord who extended this good favor. It wasn't the king. It was the heart of the king that the Lord put on him. It was the Lord what worked on the heart of the king to do it. Wow. God can work on the hearts of people. Perhaps we can't expect. God can show us favor with people that we don't expect to find favor from. When we continue to search him and we do his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's why we start to understand when Paul says, God can work in all circumstances. Not that you're not going to have hard circumstances. But God can work through those things. He can bring about things from any circumstance in our life. 
that will show his favor and that his hand is upon us. And he says, because the hand of the Lord my God was on me, I took courage. I took courage and gathered leaders from Israel to go up with me. Three things very important for us to understand about Ezra's recognition of the Lord in his life. The first one, he praised God for every bit of it. The second one, he recognized that anything good that was happening was not because of him, but because of the God he served. Ephesians 2.10 says, well, 2.8-10 says, It is by grace by you you've been saved, not by works, so that no man can boast. And then he goes on to say in 2 verse 10, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which we planned, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So anything I plan, anything that we do as a church that is a blessing, that is positive, is because it originated in God. And God put it in our hearts. And God's favorable hand has been upon us. We want God's hand to continue to be upon us. The first thing I said, praise the God. Recognizing the hand of the Lord upon him. And the third one, knowing this God that we have, he took courage. Wow. You know what God told Joshua? Moses was out of the picture. Joshua, you're going to have to lead these people. Well, how am I going to do it? Look at Moses, man. Moses split the Red Sea. Moses did the ten plagues. He did all these things. And now it's going to be me. God says, be strong and courageous. In the very three things that we talked about tonight, he told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. Don't leave my word to the left or to the right. Look and seek my word. Seek my will. Do what it says. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. The people even said, be strong and courageous and we will follow you just as the people of Ezra will also at this time. Be devoted to doing God's word. Joshua, walk it, live it. And God says, I will be with you. Wow. God, I don't know what I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know what challenges that's going to be before me. Maybe not even challenges tomorrow, but even challenges still tonight. You are with me. You are with me, Lord. Not because of some good person I am, but because of your grace and your mercy. You are with me, Lord. And as we understand this, And bring this together in all of its glory and looking at Ezra, looking at Nehemiah, and looking at all these brothers and sisters in Christ as it says here in the application. Let us recognize the Lord in our lives as we seek and do his will. So it's all there. We seek, we do, and we recognize. I want you to know God has been seeking you. Every one of us. God has been seeking us from the beginning, before the times of creation. Titus chapter 1 says, but God made this pen before the creation of the world to reconcile us to him. God has been seeking you. Jesus, as we said this morning, wants to meet you where you are. Wherever you are in your life, 
whatever moment in your life that you're going through. But seeking him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving our neighbors as ourselves. Being devoted to doing what is good. Be gentle. Be kind. Be patient. Sometimes that's hard, right? But God, it says, do it. And doing those things, Lord, recognizing your good hand upon us. You know what? If God is with us, who can be against us? Amen. God is with us. God is with you. And I want you to know that whatever you're going through, he loves you. His compassion is with you. And he wants you to see this through. He wants us to see these things through in our lives. Is it easy? No. But don't stop seeking God's will. Don't stop doing God's will when those challenges come up. And don't stop recognizing recognizing the blessings in our lives. Just as he told Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, your mercy renews every day. Count your blessings every day. Lord God, may I get to that point that whatever's going on, you are my God. This evening, if you have not given your life to the Lord, if you have not, if you don't, if you have not put your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we want you to do that tonight, to believe who Jesus is. Confess him as your Lord, repent of your sins, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the sweet gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, our guarantee of eternal life. And live for him every day. Seeking, doing, and recognizing his good work in your life. Why not tonight? As we get ready to sing, why not tonight? Why not tonight give your life to the Lord? He loves you. He wants you. And if you have any prayers tonight, why not tonight to bring those prayers forward to us? So that we may pray for you. That God may strengthen you. To continue to seek him. To continue to do his will. And recognize his goodness in your life. If you have any need, come. As we sing tonight, why not tonight? We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and his son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2888. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas, 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.